Well, it's good to have those of us that can be here here this evening. <clears throat> we have any prayer requests before we get started? I know Karen was traveling this afternoon. She went to Los Animas. So I knew she wouldn't be here. Uh, remember Sister Shirley and Brother Wayne? Um, remember, continue remember Donna. She was feeling better, but not still not her, her full self. So remember her. And uh, remember me. I've got another, I've got a, upcoming job interview so remember me there um, and then um, I spoke with brother Grant this afternoon and he said that brother Dan Atkins had taken a fall this morning so remember him and continue remember Melody Casares and Judy Byers and their cancer treatments and Kathy that uh, sister Andy had asked prayer for and Sister Barb, remember her? Is there anybody else I'm missing? Well, Jean's family. Jean's family, okay. Yeah, yeah Jean Ireland's family as well. Thank you, Joe. Um, anybody else have any prayer requests? Remember Sean Bill and Addie as well. I almost forgot about her. I don't wanna forget about her. If not, uh, before we start our Bible study, then we'll have a word of prayer. Uh, Tony, would you lead us in a word of prayer, please? Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to come to your house, Lord, and thank you for the services we had this morning. And thank you be with the speaker tonight. And give him the words to say. May we have the open hearts and minds to hear and receive your word, Lord. Thank you for all the answered prayers that you've given us. And Amen. continue to be with those prayer requests, the ones that were mentioned tonight, that you give each one of those. Continue to be with the ones that are sick, the ones that are traveling. Ones that are spiritually sick, continue to deal with them. And pray that you'll be with each of us as we go through this week, that you watch and care for us. We'll thank you for your many blessings you give us each and every day, mostly for your son for dying on the cross for us. And we ask this as you say, Amen. Amen. Well, tonight we'll turn over to Daniel chapter 9. Um, I, I know I've skipped the 7th and 8th chapter, but for good, re for good measure. So we're going to go back to chapter 7 and 8 later. But I wanted to continue with Daniel chapter 9 tonight. <clears throat> so Daniel chapter 9. And we'll start there in the first verse. Would anyone like to read? She's out. She fell asleep. <laughs> Would any of y'all like to read tonight? No? <laughs> okay. But Uncle Joe said he'd help you. He'd help you, okay. Um, if you'll read verses 1 through 4, Joe. Do I read all these big words? Do the best you can. Just pronounce them however you want. That's right, that's right. We'll get the gist of it, right. Okay, uh, 9 through what? Uh, verses 9, 1 through 4. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ashara, Shushis, of the seat of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came 
to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And I have set my face upon God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keep, keeping the covenant and the mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. <clears throat> you may want to read verse 5 through 8. Are you sure? Okay. Five through eight. Yeah. I just don't have my glasses, but I got the big We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebe rebelled, even uh, by departing from the precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteously, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day, to the men of Judea or Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel that are near, and that and that are far off, through all the countries where thou hast driven them, because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. Okay, we'll stop there for just the time being. It's a lot of lot of reading there that we'll have to bite off and and, and chew on for a minute. So here we have uh, Daniel acknowledged it was the first year of Darius. He says, the son of Ahasuerus, the seed of Mede. So this, we acknowledge that this is the Medo-Persian Empire and that Darius was the king. Of course, I know um, Cyrus the Great was one of the, one of the ones of the Medo-Persian Empire was considered the golden age of the Medo-Persian Empire. But uh, Darius here was the king of the time and it was his first year the first year of his reign of course we know from the last account that we read there a couple of Sundays ago was that uh, the Babylonian kingdom had ended and of course they were taken into captivity by the the Medes and the Persians so Daniel's just trying uh, giving giving a, a backdrop of, as to where we are in time he goes on there and he says he he reads, the first year of the reign of Daniel understood the books and the numbers of the years. He says, where the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So we know that regarding the prophecy and uh, the message from the angel that was given to Daniel was that there would be 70 years of captivity. There would be a, a 70 year span. And what was it as a result of? It was a result of the sins of the people of God. They had chosen to fall after false gods, um, of course, other iniquities and sins that they did. And as a result, this captivity was what, what happened. Of course, the Lord didn't gave them fair warning. He told them that, that this was going to happen if they chose to do so and follow after false gods and take marriages of, of these other nations around about them, which we've read about previously. But then Daniel goes on to petition the Lord on behalf of the children of Israel. What did he say there? In sackcloth 
He says, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek the prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So he knew that the time of their captivity wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't end until the 70 years was up. Of course, that much was foretold in which Jerusalem would be laid desolate. But here he seeks to petition the Lord regarding their transgressions that the Lord would remove this burden from them. He goes on and makes a confession for the people regarding their transgressions before the Lord, which ultimately brought upon them this punishment. He goes on there, as he starts starts reading down there, he says, We have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Precepts is basically another word for teachings. Uh, of a sort. He says, from thy judgments. Well, they knew what the judgments would be or the rewards would be regarding their faithfulness to the Lord. So here we see this, that they've held open rebellion and they followed after false idols. So there, the th three things he acknowledges there is their rebellion, they're departing from the, the precepts or the teachings and judgments and that they ignored the prophets. So let's look a few places. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 17. We're going to look at some of these places that, that precipitated this captivity. 2 Kings 17. And uh, we'll read there starting in verse 8. He says, and, and, and walked in the statutes of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things which were not right against the Lord their God, and they built them on high places in all their cities, and from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. And they set them up images and groves of every high hill and under every green tree, and there they burnt incense in all the high places as did the heathens whom the Lord carried away before them and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord God to anger. For they served idols and whereof the Lord had said unto them, ye shall do no such, uh, not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah and all the prophets and by all the seers saying, turn ye from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to the law which I have commanded your fathers and which I have sent to you by my servants and the prophets. Notwithstanding, they will not hear, but harden their necks like the necks of their fathers, and they did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenants that he had made with their fathers, and the testimonies with which he had testified against them, they followed vanity and became vain. They went after the heathen that were round about them and concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commands of the Lord their God and made them molten images and even two calves and made a grove and worshiped all the hosts of heaven and served uh, Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and, and used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of the sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they had made. 
And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hands of spoilers. And he had cast them out of his sight. For he rent Israel from the house of David and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat the king. And Jeroboam drove Israel from, the follow, uh, from following the Lord and made them sin, their sins great. For the children of Israel had walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did, and they departed not from them, until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight and had by, said by all his servants the prophets. So was Israel carried about, carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Cuthoth and from Avah and from Hamath and from Sepharavim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel, and they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. So here we have the account of Israel, the northern kingdom, who was subsequently carried away into captivity because they chose to follow after divinations, and they set idols up in the high places, and they followed after the, the nations round about them and their religions and the things that they went after, and they wholly rejected the word of God. This is exactly what the Lord had warned them previously not to do. He told them when they went into the possessed land of Canaan, before the mountains, they issued a blessing and a curse. And he says, if you do this, if you follow my teachings, you follow my precepts and things like that, then you'll do well. But if you don't, this curse will be upon you. Not only that, but he warned them through the mouths of the prophets. But most of the time when they did that, he ended up killing them. They, excuse me, they ended up killing the prophets because they either didn't want to hear it and wanted to continue in their own, their own sin, which they were convicted of. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 8. Of course, we know this is before the account there that we just read. 1 Samuel chapter 8. We'll start in verse 7 there. Joe, do you want to read some more again? Oh, I could do that. <laughs> I got little thin pages. <laughs> they stick together, don't they? Did you say chapter eight? Uh, chapter, yeah, chapter eight and verse seven is where we'll start. Okay. And the Lord said unto Samuel, is that right? Yes. Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say to thee. For they have, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, and. I should not uh, reign over them according to all the works which you have done even the day that I brought them out of Egypt even unto this day where they have forsaken me and served other gods so they also do unto thee how far down uh, if you want to read verse 9 and now, therefore, hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the kingdom that should reign over them. So, <clears throat> here in these first couple verses here, you see that, that 
the Lord was talking to Samuel. He says, listen to the voice of the people, you know. Uh, they have not rejected, they didn't reject me, reject you, but they rejected me, their God. He said, so follow after what they, what they want. He said, uh, I, uh, according to all the works which they have done, I brought them up out of Egypt. I've, uh, where they had forsaken him, they had turned away from him, they'd served other gods. He says, now listen to their voice. He says, yet protest solemnly unto them. He says, don't, don't let them totally get away with it, but you better tell them, you know, solemnly what's going to happen. He says, they wish to have a kingdom to rule over them. He says, uh, how be it yet protest solemnly unto them and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. Hmm. So, He's about to give them what they want, but it's not going to be what they need, right? So let's read down a little further there. I'll read verses 10 through 12. It says, And Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people that they asked him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots, and he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to the ear, uh, ear to excuse me them to ear his ground, and to reap his harvest, and to make instruments of war and instruments of chariots. I'll read the, verse thirteen. And it said he will he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, to be cooks, and to be bakers. I guess I'll keep reading. It says and he and he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, and even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take a tenth of the seeds and the vines and give them to the officers and the servants. And he will make your men servants and your maid servants, your good, uh, good list young men and your asses and put them to work. And he will take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants and ye shall cry out of the day because the king which ye, sh ye shall have chosen you and the Lord will not hear you in that day. So stop there. So here you see that God says, all right, you're going to get what you ask for, but you're going to pay for it dearly. Because when he's taking all these things from you, you're going to cry out to the Lord. You're going to be, Lord, help us. And he's not going to hear them. We know subsequently what happened here with Saul being appointed king. He did good for a little while, didn't he? He got, he, he it seemed like he was going to be an okay king, and guess what? He got greedy, and things happened, and he turned his heart from the Lord and did what was right in his own sight. And what did the Lord do to him? He gave him his just desserts. He eventually appointed anointed David as king, and what did that do to Saul? He an evil spirit came down on him, and he. He tried to he tried to kill David and he tried to you know but David was the one that the Lord appointed. He's like, all right, I'm going to give you guys what you want, and then I'm going to show you what a real king is supposed to look like. <laughs> Not to say that David was perfect; he certainly wasn't. But you see here the consequences of what happens when we get what we ask for. Maybe we should maybe they should have asked the Lord to to show them what it is they needed and how they needed it. 
but they wanted to be like the rest of the nations. It's like, all right, you want to be like the rest of the kids on the block, then you're going to get punished like the rest of the kids on the block. Let's see here. Tony, you feel like reading 19 through 22? Okay. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the other nations. Um, and of that, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all that the uh, words of the people, and he rehearsed it them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. So, so here you see that he he done what he said, and Samuel. Said it and they said, no, we'll, we'll call for us a king over us. We want a king over us. They want to be like everybody else. Everybody else. Yeah, See what happens when we conform. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they paid the price. Didn't they? they paid the price. What is it the scripture says? Woe to them that go the way of Baal. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, mean, doesn't mean that we can't choose, but we're not, we're not free from the consequence of, of the choosing, isn't it? To use the example, if you choose to speed and the cop catches you while you're speeding, what happens? You get a ticket, right? Well, some would say, well, only if the cop catches me. But you're still into speeding, right? So you're still, still playing with fire there. So then Samuel heard all the words of the people. So it's funny that I think he, when, when you read this, Tony, he says, he, he heard the words of the people and he rehearsed it to the Lord's ears. The Lord heard it, but he still told the Lord, all right, Lord, this is what happened. I think that's a little comical there because we know the Lord heard all of this. But yet he says, and the Lord tells him back, he says, all right, give them what they want. Tell them to go on back to their cities. So these little instances like this that you see are what culminated to, to the captivity. Um, I think of... I think of one of the things we've talked about, not to wax political, but over so many years we've seen the choices that we've made have led to the choices that we have now. And they're not great choices, are they? <laughs> so it's too late to undo our past choices, isn't it? <laughs> I hate to put it like that, but that's typically how it goes. We One choice precipitates another choice and so on and so forth. But the Lord gave them the direction that they needed. He says, hey, follow after me. Listen to my teachings. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. And what God was trying to tell him is, hey, you don't need a, a king like the rest of these men do. You need to follow me. I'm, I'm, I'm the Lord your God. I'm the king of kings. So let's look at uh, Zephaniah chapter 3. And I'll be honest, I always turn past Zephaniah. So I may be turning for just a minute. I didn't put my marker. There it is. Zephaniah chapter 3. And it's only <clears throat> eight short verses. It says, Woe to her that is filthy and polluted and to the oppressive city. She obeyed not the voice, and she received not correction, and she trusted not in the Lord, and she drew not near to her God. 
Her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judgments are evening wolves. They gnaw not the bones till the morrow. Her prophets are light and treacherous persons. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary and they have done violence to the law. The just Lord is in the midst thereof and he will not do iniquity. Every night doth he bring his judgment to light and he faileth not. But the unjust knoweth no shame. I have cut off the nations and their towers are desolate and I have made their, their streets waste. That none passeth by, their cities are destroyed so that there is no man then there is no none inhabitant i said surely thou wilt fear me now it will receive instruction so their dwelling should not be cut off howsoever i punished them but they rose early and corrupt corrupted all their things therefore wait ye upon me saith the lord until the day that i arise up to the prey for my determination is to gather the nations that I will assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation, even of all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. So who is he addressing there? Jerusalem. The kingdom of Judah. He was That's who he was addressing. Jerusalem, of course, was the seat of power for all of the, the Jewish people. But he said, you have obeyed not my voice. They were disobedient. And as a result, the Lord was going to issue his reproval of them and his judgment. He said, the, verse 5 is the one that stands out the most. It says, the just Lord is in the midst thereof, and he, he will not do iniquity. Every morning doth he bring his judgment to light. He faileth not, but the unjust knoweth no shame. They had already committed their sins and they had been blinded to the Lord. But the Lord wouldn't stand for it. So he executes his just judgment there. He goes over there and he says, as a result of this, he'll pour out his indignation. Even all my fierce anger and all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. What does the scripture say that God desires of us? He desires all of us, right? It says he is a jealous God. I know we've described this before, but it's like being married. If we're married and we commit adultery, we violated our marriage agreement, right? We violated the vow that we made to our spouse. It's the same thing when we've served the Lord. We violate that, that vow. What happens? We, we're, we're guilty of, of staining our, mar our, our agreement, our, our desire that we've set forth to serve the Lord when we were we made that covenant with him. So this, this was a, a warning to them what would happen. That disobedience continues. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Verses, starting in verse 5 there. You want to read again, Joe? 
Testament. That's right. He's a major, not a minor. Uh, you'll read there in verse, start in verse 5, and you'll read down through verse 10. Okay. I can, think I can handle it. <laughs> of the house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they have re replenished from the east, and our soothsayers like the Philistines, and they please themselves in the children of strangers. Their land is full of silver and gold, neither is there any end of their treasure. Their land is also full of horses, neither is there any end of their chariots. And their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their hands, which that which their own fingers have made. And a mean man bowed down, and a great man humbled himself. Therefore, forget them not. Enter into the rock, and hide thee in the dust, for the fear of the Lord, and for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of men shall be humble, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Tony, you want to read 12 through 19-ish? Okay, just let me know. Okay. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty, and upon every one that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. And upon all the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up, and upon all the oaks of Bastion, and upon all the high mountains, and upon all the hills that are lifted up, and upon every high tower, and upon every fenced wall, and upon all the ships of Tarshish, and upon all pleasant pictures. And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of man shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day, and the idols shall utterly abolish. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks, and into the caves of the earth, for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, go ahead and read 22. In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they had made each one for himself to worship to the, to the moles and to the bats, to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein he is to be accounted of. So, he warned of the, of the terribleness of the day of the Lord, didn't he? But what got them to that point was where he was warning them was because they had taken these idols and they had worshiped them rather than fear God. So, few of those that you think of that it mentioned there was they worship Malek, which is where they burned their children alive uh, and offered them before Malek. And they, 
It was basically a heated metal sculpture and they had a fire in it and they burned their children as sacrifice. Um, one of the other ones was um, the ashram, which were several gods uh, and the gods of the Philistines. You see what happened with regards to those when they worshiped them, what happened? The Lord visited his wrath upon them or his judgment upon them. So he didn't want them to get to this point, but he was warning the what was going to happen to them should they do these things? He tells them there, one of the ones we'll look at is verse 10. He says, enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of men shall be humbled and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. He's saying, you may have been lifted up at this point, but when we get to this point, you're going to be humbled because you can't pass the judgment of the Lord safely because you've done these things. We'll look at uh, Job chapter 19. Maybe that's not 19, it's 15, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Job chapter 15 and verse 30. Says, and he shall not depart out of the darkness, and the flame shall dry up his branches, and by the breath of his mouth shall be shall he go away. Then on him that is deceived, trust in vanity, for vanity shall be his recompense, and it shall be accomplished before his time, and his branch shall not be green. He shall shake off his ripe grape as the vine, and shall cast off his flower as the olive. For the congregation of the hypocrites shall be desolate, and fire shall consume the tabernacle of bribery. They conceive mischief and bring forth vanity, and their belly prepareth deceit. He says there, the congregation of hypocrites shall be desolate. There won't be anything there. It'll all be gone. Why? Because it, because the Lord would do away with it. He said, don't be deceived. There's not going to be any fruit produced there. Because of their sins. So, this was as a result of, this was some of the things that resulted in their captivity that's mentioned over here in Daniel that we're, that we're reading, that Daniel's praying over. He's petitioning the Lord to forgive their sins. He declares it's not the righteousness of, of themselves, but the righteousness of, of God that would deliver them. Let's look at Psalm 119. Our 19th Psalm. Verse 137. It says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteousness and very faithful. My, zoom, uh, my, my zeal hath consumed me because my enemies have forgotten thy words and thy words are very pure. Therefore thy servant loveth them. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget thy precepts. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and thy law is the truth. Trouble and anguish have taken hold of me and yet thy commandments are my delights. The righteousness of thy testimony is everlasting and give me understanding that I shall live. Psalmist here was talking about that, testifying of, of the greatness of the Lord. He says, righteous art thou. 
So it's not righteousness that comes from us. Like we mentioned this morning, the righteousness comes from the Lord. The psalmist there was testifying of his, of his goodness and his faithfulness, but as he desired to keep his precepts. Let's look at Psalms 145, verse 17. He says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him and all of them that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desires of them that fear him and he will hear their voice and will save them and the Lord preserveth all them that love him. But all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and let all the flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. So even in his anger regarding captivity, he still promised that Israel would still have a way to to be preserved through this, the lineage there. But it was those, it was promised to those who were righteous. Of course, we know that wasn't because of their own selves, but it was because they leaned upon the Lord for his understanding and his guidance. We see that demonstrated through Daniel. Daniel interpreted the visions that the Lord gave him and used them for his benefit and his honor and glory. Because he desired to do what was right inside the Lord. And the Lord, and the Lord esteemed him high above the rest of the people because of that. I mean, he was the president of the nation. So he was second in command to the, to the king of, of the, the Medo-Persian Empire and the Babylonian Empire. He was, he was up there. But it wasn't himself that exalted it. It was the Lord that put him there. Let's look at Jeremiah 23. He wasn't a bullfrog, that's for sure. That's my joke for today. <laughs> I got Sherry to smile. <laughs> Jeremiah 23 and verse 6. In the days in his day Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell in safety. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days come and saith the Lord that they shall no more say the Lord liveth, which brought up the children out of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth, which brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country and from all the countries wherewith I had driven them. And they shall dwell in their own land. My heart within me is broken because of the prophets and all my bones shake and I am like a drunken man and like a man of whom wine hath overcome because of, because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiness. So it would be the Lord that would deliver them out of the land. Why? Because they recognize that the Lord was their righteousness. And because they desired to look after him, but right at that particular point, he was consumed because of the, the iniquities of the people. <clears throat> that bad I can't read what I wrote down. <laughs> Let's look at Luke chapter 9.
Luke chapter 9. In verse 37. <clears throat> and it came to pass that on the next day when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my child, uh, my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth, and he teareth at him, and he foameth again, and bruised himself hard, hardly, departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I suffer to be with you? Excuse me, how long shall I be with you and suffer? You bring thy son hither. And as he had yet uh, coming, the devil threw him and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him to his father. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered, every one at all the things which Jesus did, he said unto the, his disciples, let these sayings be sink into your ears. For the son of man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not the saying. And it was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of his saying. And then arose a reasoning among them, which is which should be the greatest. And Jesus perceived the thought in their hearts and took the child and said it by him. And he said, Whosoever shall receive this child in, the name, in my name receiveth me, and whomsoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. And he that is the least among you, the same shall be great. So, the father sought to cleanse, to have his son cleansed of the evil spirit, but what happened? Jesus interceded on his behalf. So it wasn't the righteousness or lack thereof from the father that brought his son, but it was Jesus interceding on his behalf that brought that. So Daniel interceded on behalf of Israel regarding their situation. They were in captivity. And he desired that they would be restored to where they should be and their land that the Lord had gave them to possess. But what was it that they needed to do? They needed to have a heart and a desire to serve the Lord their God. What is one of the last things we read about that? I've referenced this a number of times. They were sad. They asked him to sing the song of their people and the song of their land. And they couldn't sing it because they weren't there. It was They couldn't sing it for strangers. And they realized they had departed from the goodness of the Lord. And they wept because they realized that they had not done what the, their God had desired for them. And what happened? On behalf of those like Daniel that interceded on their behalf, Nehemiah, Ezra, what was it? It was granted to them that they could eventually return back and rebuild the kingdom and restore the temple where the Lord God would dwell for them in the time. So what was the purpose of that account there in Daniel? Daniel, after all, what was his desire? To please God. To speak the truth which we'd have him do. He said, verse 14, back over Daniel chapter 9, Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth. For we obey not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, 
that hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with the mighty hand, hast gotten thee renowned. And at this day we have sinned and we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city of Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because of our sins and for our iniquities and our fathers. Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O God, hear thy prayer of thy servant and his supplication and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolation, the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear, O Lord. Forgive, O Lord. Hearken and do, defer not for thine own sake. And O my God, for the city and thy people are called by thy name. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing, and my sins, the sins of my people Israel, and presenting the supplications before the Lord my God from the holy mountain of my, of my God. He said, Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am come now forth to give thee skill and understanding. And at the beginning of thy supplication and thy commandment came forth, I can, I am come to show thee that thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sin, to make a reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the beginning of the commandments restore the Messiah. The prince shall be seven weeks, three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall and even the troublous times. After three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the, prince of the, uh, and the people of the prince that shall come to destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with the flood. And the end of the world, the war of desolation are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many in one week. And the midst of the week shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease for the overspreading of abominations. And he shall make it a desolate, make it desolate even until the consummation that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So even after this prayer, Gabriel comes to the Lord bearing a message. Regarding the 70 weeks. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't understand all the numbers and the numerology. I've not ha had that understanding given to me. But the one thing I do understand about this is that there was a, a period of time to be fulfilled. And Gabriel was sent to instruct Daniel regarding this. Now I know a lot of this is, was future application at this point regarding Christ and regarding Jerusalem and judgments. But the one thing I find interesting is that in, in Daniel's prayer here and his supplication to God, he heard. And he said, you're, you're beloved. He says, I want you to know this. You're beloved. But he came to impart understanding. He said, I'm gonna, I've, I've, I have now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. 
So we know that understanding comes from God too. Not only does his righteousness come, but his, the understanding comes from God as well. So what is it that that we can glean from this passage of scripture that we've studied tonight? And it's that, number one, Lord wants us to do what he wants us to do, right? He wants us to follow his commands. Like we talked about this morning, precept upon precept, line upon line. He wants us to be faithful and obedient to his teachings. He wants us to have his whole, We want. he wants us to be his full attention and to pay attention to the things that please him. After all, we are all servants. And no matter what comes in the way, the Lord delivers his people through it. We know that much. But he's asked us to do one thing, be faithful, be obedient. And when we don't, we've not done these things, what do we do? Confess them to the Lord. Ask for understanding. Because it looks like he certainly gave that to Daniel there. Any questions? Any comments? Any parting shots? If not, we'll stand to be dismissed.